There are so many ways to leverage technology to grow your business, but where do you start? On this week's episode, I got a chance to sit down with Chad Alessi, the co-founder and partner of Navstella, one of Houston's most innovative consulting agencies. Chad is the technical mastermind behind Navstella and the customers they serve. On part two of customer experience powered by empathy, Chad gives us a roadmap for choosing the right marketing technology for your business. So what I do and what we do at Navstella and, and what I've done in my job is kind of come in, really analyze what they're doing, what they're trying to accomplish, you know, setting out the goals, trying to understand what their goals are. Mm-hmm. And then once we understand that, then we can look at the technology and see if it's actually fulfilling that goal. And he explains how to use technology to become more self-aware. Self-awareness is number one, right? You need to know how you're being perceived and how your emotions are affecting you. So knowing that behavioral assessment, understanding your own emotions and how you like to react to them, then you understand how to work in the workforce because we're all different. We're all different people. This is B2B Growth Hacks, a podcast powered by Speakerbox Media. Hey, Chad, welcome to B2B Growth Hacks. How's it going, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. So I was talking to Divya, and she kind of gave me the why about customer experience, but I wanted to really get into the details of the how with you. Uh, But before we do, can you give us a little bit of background, uh, you know, kind of how you even got into this field? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm sure Divya gave you more than just the why. (laughs) She easily gives everybody enough information to cover two podcasts, I'm sure. But so that's always great. But uh, I got into this really kind of an odd way. Um, I'm engineer by background, undergrad graduate in chemical engineering of all things. I then went back to school, got an MBA, uh, Mm -hmm. worked in and the MBA in data data analytics and then uh, worked in the the oil and gas industry for a long time. Um, Got into business development, into commercial development and really saw that gap in in terms of how uh, businesses were treating their customers. And particularly Mm -hmm. in that industry, it's it's pretty bad because it's uh, the the customers and the consumers are takers that, you know, they have to take that price and they have Mm -hmm. to take that product. And so the companies themselves don't really have to be concerned with customer experience as much. Uh, So there was just a huge gap there. Um, And then I went back to school again, got a full stack development uh, uh, education. And so I started doing development and uh, working on uh, technology um, innovation was a big thing for me. Love to do that. Uh, Wrote a lot about it and got into marketing Divi and I decided that, hey, this is a great opportunity for us to go out and start something that really fills a, a niche that we felt like uh, mid-sized companies weren't really getting the need that they had uh, for a consulting agency to come in and really help them out. Yeah where they may not be large enough to afford, you know, a, a larger uh, Accenture of the world or one of the bigger consulting companies. Uh, they really, but they needed some, the, someone that could come in and execute in the same way that they needed uh, a bigger organization to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we started the, the customer experience focus mm-hmm. and going out and started Navstella. So um, it's been exciting. It's been fun. And uh, I learned something every day. So it's a lot of fun to do it. That's awesome. So what, what 
what kind of made you switch and go back for full stack? I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I always it was interested in technology, always been part of that. I guess it's some my nerdy engineering uh-huh, side of uh-huh. me. So um, I dabbled with um, uh, developing apps, developing, you know, API connections. I'd always messed with those. I used to get the little Raspberry Pis uh-huh. and, and I would try to just break them and code and learn. Oh, wow. um, I did a lot of coding and working on data and, you know, doing the, I was in the military for a while and was mm. a database analyst. And so okay. I would pull in data in, mm. on database and, and doing a lot of data entry. Um, mm. And so the the databases themselves trying to understand how to write query SQLs, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time uh, doing data munging. So you're just cleaning up data, doing a lot yeah. of that non-sexy type work yeah. and fun uh, or setting up a database and yeah. putting data into it. Um, but I always wanted to kind of do the other thing, you know, mm. the, the creative side of it and right. doing maybe some website development app development, uh, doing more of the, the fun stuff. And so um, I said, you know, hey, let's do this so I can understand. I had taught myself a little bit of, of doing it and learned a little bit about it. Uh, but that's really a front end. It was more of HTML, CSS, that type of coding. But I really wanted the full stack, being able to um, do the front end where I'm not really a front end designer, but I can understand it enough to be dangerous and be able to put that in there. But really using the the uh, database analytics and being able to set up those databases and then communicate with the front end to be able to render that data and, and understanding mm-hmm. the communications between the APIs and, and being able to work within that. Uh, that's really what I wanted to do. And that's why I went back and uh, I, I, you know, I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Yeah. So, so yeah. how, how are you using those skills today uh, to help your customers? Yeah. So a lot of times when we come in, uh, technology is a big thing. So mm-hmm. particularly today, it's, it's as if we don't even really have to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a given that you have to have technology. Mm-hmm. In the marketing space particularly, there are so many different applications and so many different tools out there today. Um, Before we started, we were talking about MarTech stacks, and we look at marketing technology stacks, and and what marketing technology do you need? Mm -hmm. And and we kind of break those down into three big buckets. Mm -hmm. It's really that attract bucket, where what technology you need to kind of attract your new customers. What do you need to engage them? So Mm -hmm. what technology are you using to engage them? And then what do you use? to analyze and optimize that. And mm-hmm. so that's your your day-to-day back-end analytics related mm-hmm. to data. So each one of those three big buckets, there are no less than 7,000 different technologies out there yeah. that you can actually, and they're adding more every day, right? Yes. There's always a new application. There's a new app. Every there's a day. new something <laughs> that's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And, and so to keep up with that, mm-hmm. I mean, your head would swim trying to figure out what you're doing every day. So when businesses are trying to focus on their day-to-day operation, they don't have time to stay up with the newest technology and try to read up on it and try to understand what technology they really need. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we find when we go in and talk to a company, uh, we ask them about their MarTech stack. We'll say, hey, what are you guys using? They may not even know what a MarTech is. They just know they have certain tech technology or certain apps that help them with it. Uh, and they're used to the big names like Google Analytics or HubSpot or, uh, you know, one mm. of those big, big name brand type of type of things. And they may be spending thousands of dollars a month on mm. technology that mm. they're not really even using. Mm. 
So what I do and what we do at, at Navstella and, and what I've done in my job is kind of come in, really analyze what they're doing, what they're trying to accomplish, you know, mm-hmm. setting out the goals, trying to understand what their goals are. Mm-hmm. And then once we understand that, then we can look at the technology and see if it's actually fulfilling that goal and mm-hmm. seeing if those technologies that they're buying or they even, they're spending money on mm-hmm. is really the right tool, the right fit for the organization, for the right delivery of what they're trying to do. And mm-hmm. is it really meeting the goals? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we find out the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we're able to look at that a little bit and say, you know, hey, maybe there's a better technology. Maybe there's a better tool. It can actually save you money most of the time. Mm-hmm. So we say there's things that you're not even using here. You can sunset. You can replace with a different type of product that's better for you. And so mm-hmm. uh, we find that there's value that we're adding back to the client because they immediately see a return on their investment. They're saying, well, you know, we we invested with these guys to say, come in and take a look at what we're doing. Give us a recommendation for a better product mm-hmm. or a product that's working or even mm-hmm. tell us what products we're using today that aren't working. They aren't mm-hmm. fulfilling what we're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they get into the uh, the day-to-day grind of just executing, mm-hmm. executing business. Um, and I'll use social media. Everybody kind of knows what social media is. Mm-hmm. They do it every day. Mm-hmm. But when you apply that to your business, um, there are specific goals that you need to try to get out of that that mm-hmm. social media strategy. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of them think, well, I, I post something every day on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, whatever other platform that they use. Mm-hmm. I can do this for business as well. Right. And a lot of times it doesn't work because they're not providing the right content for, yes. the, for the end user or the customer or the people they're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. Nor do they even fully understand the actual demographics of the person they're trying to bring in. So they're not even using the right data to truly Mm -hmm. understand that person and then delivering the right content to them at the right time that Mm -hmm. they want to be delivered to. So Mm -hmm. we, we do it a couple different ways. We really use all of the data and the technology that they're currently using to understand what they're trying to accomplish and then Mm -hmm. say, okay, is it, is you, are you being able to deliver that and are you able to uh, achieve those goals? And if not, then we look at for solutions for you. Right. So, and, and Divya kind of mentioned this, it's taking kind of the, the product out of the forefront and putting the customer at the front and saying, okay, how do we reach, and customers, we should say, because there are several different personas that yeah. can be, that can, yeah. one company can have. Um, so how do you go about identifying what's working and what's not? How, if I'm, I'm developing a campaign day one, uh, what do you recommend, you know, our audience does to to start identifying what type of content they need to make, how they're going to target, how often they're going to post, what what can they do and how can they leverage technology to accomplish that? Yeah, so great question. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always say content is king, right? Mm-hmm. And so you find the right content. Yeah. We, we, we sort of look at the sales funnel and trying to understand the sales funnel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And uh, I think a lot of companies start with that whole attract. They start at the very top of the yeah. funnel and go, we've got to attract people into the funnel. Uh-huh. And and we look at it really from flipping the script a little bit and say, why don't we look at really when they get to the funnel and get to that experience, mm-hmm. what type of experience are those customers going to have when they get down the funnel mm-hmm. and you get ready to convert them? You don't want to drive a bunch of people in to a bad experience, no. right? And so you want to make sure that you have the right content for who you're trying to actually attract into the funnel, get the okay. right people into it. But once they get into that 
are, is the content that you're actually delivering to them via your website, whether it be your website. And then, um, if it's, if it's something else you're trying to get them to do some call to action, making sure that you have the right call to action, the right Mm -hmm. content that, so that they're going to actually execute on that. So we, we really look at it from, is the content correct? Is it right? Is it the right uh, experience? Mm-hmm. You know, is your website performing the way it should be performing? And then we go back to the beginning and look at how we're going to attract people in there. But if a company was going to try and, and use a technology or some sort of um, uh, data to mm-hmm. really understand their personas, the first thing they can do is go to like Google Analytics. If you have analytics on your website, you can understand who's coming to your sites, that sort of thing. But that's really only telling you the data that you're attracting today. Right. It may not be who you really want to come to your site. It may just, te- that's just going to tell you the state of the union, as we call it, you know, and say, okay, we're getting X number of views per month and they're coming from this particular geographic area. Mm-hmm. And we may or may not know a little more demographics depending on what level of uh, Google Analytics you're paying for, right, Mm -hmm. and trying to understand. You can also go to the platforms themselves. Mm -hmm. So whatever platform you're using to kind of deliver your your content, whether it be social media, whether it be some other uh, email marketing uh, automation that you're using, Mm -hmm. uh, or whether it be a paid program, Mm -hmm. there's going to be data that's associated with that that particular delivery content. Right. So you can go into social media. There are um, insight tags that you can use. LinkedIn has a tag now that they're using for all of their campaigns that they've rolled out. Uh, you can place those on your websites. Mm. And so it will tell you if you run a campaign, it will kind of give you the understanding of what that demographic of people that are coming from that campaign to your site. Mm. And it will give you some insight into the data that that, uh, that allows that um, customer to come to you. Where are they coming from? Who are they? What's their profile? Right. What's their background? Right. So B2B is LinkedIn, the big one. The B2C is going to be more of the Facebook and Instagram crowd. Um, and so there's uh, a, what they call Google Pixels. And so you can take right. a Google Pixel, drop it on your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you run an ad through Google, I mean, I'm sorry, through Facebook, uh, there's a a Facebook pixel. You can actually come back and grab that data off the Facebook pixel Mm -hmm. and it'll give you the demographics and understand exactly um, what the the customer makeup is that's coming to your site from the actual campaign. Mm -hmm. What that will allow you to do is, again, that's just going to tell you how your campaign is performing. So that may what we call optimize, right? You're going to have to go back. Yeah, you're going to have to analyze that data, take mm-hmm. a look at it and go, okay, this is not the right people that we're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. How do we change this content? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we adjust the content to come back and, mm-hmm. and fix it so where we get the right people coming to us? Right. So in, in marketing and marketing data, a lot of times we use A-B testing, right? Okay. We'll, pr- we'll create two different campaigns okay. and we'll say, okay, let's see what comes from A or B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there are some other sophisticated tools <clears throat> that will automate that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets fairly expensive when you start stacking on the technology. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in the old days, uh, the, I would say the analog days where we're just basically taking the data <clears throat> and we're saying, okay, we have an A-B test mm-hmm. and we're testing to see which of these particular campaigns work is the best. Mm-hmm. And then you're actually having to define a goal. What are we saying works best? Mm-hmm. Is it just views? Mm-hmm. Is it just traffic coming to the site? 
Um, is it actually taking an action? Is mm-hmm. it clicking on a button to read more? Whatever that goal be, you know, set a goal, set a clear goal, an easily achievable goal. A lot mm-hmm. of times we see people that set up A-B tests and they have this huge goal that no one will ever pass. And so yeah. they have a very low pass rate. And there's not enough data there really to make the test valid. And mm. so you want something that's easily achievable that you can actually test and get some real world data in so that you can change and, and pivot, if you will, and optimize on that campaign. Right. right. Um, but data itself is becoming more and more readily available and oh, easier yes. to, to consume um, mm. where before you had to take all of this data and put it into a CSV and then mm-hmm. download that into a spreadsheet and then, you know, have someone that knew how to build tables and build um, a mm-hmm. histogram or anything else to really analyze that data. Mm-hmm. Now the data is being delivered to you. I mean, they just give it to you basically on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. They're going to give you all those graphs already. They're going to give you all the demographics for the individual user that's going to be coming to the sites. Right. So the tools are becoming easier to use. And so that's yes. good really for right. everyone. Um uh, you know, you don't need a data scientist as much anymore, no, right, to do this, building these models, unless right. you're really doing some sophisticated mm-hmm. uh, data analytics where you're building a lot of regression models or something like that that you're mm-hmm. trying to do price predicting. Mm-hmm. Maybe you would need that. But mm-hmm. on a marketing campaign, you, you're going to get all of the data you need right out of the platform that you use today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you need something as an add-on, there are other technology tools out there that you can use that will actually measure some things that, uh, it, whether it be hotspots on your website or whether it be click-throughs on a particular piece of content, mm-hmm. you can use the technology that would be an add-on to that. That's that's awesome. And and to kind of break this down even more, let's take you know some traditional media and and kind of talk around that. So. What would you say someone is missing out on if they say, hey, I've been doing billboards since the inception of my company. I think they work great. I got pamphlets. Those work great. I got flyers. What to, to help you know people understand this, this, this concept that we're talking about, can you kind of break down what they're missing out on if they're not using it? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And Today, more than ever, um, mm-hmm. there's a great article that was published in the New York Times a couple of Sundays ago. It was called The Board Economy. Mm-hmm. And I followed up and wrote a, a separate article that we published on Medium mm-hmm. uh, yeah. about a week later. It was, it was called The Board Economy is the Experience Economy. Mm-hmm. And what the, the actual article the New York Times said, the data that came out of that, is that today consumers, we, public, are bored out of our minds because of the pandemic. Mm. The tedium of the pandemic has created this bored economy. Mm -hmm. And we are now just thriving for Mm. experiences. Mm. We really want some experience out there. We want anything, any kind of connection, any kind of, uh, you know, anything that can happen that gives us an experience outside of our home, right? Mm. Because we've been locked up for a year. We Mm. want something. And what, what they found is the data showing that what we're spending money on is, you know, streaming experiences. So mm. Netflix and uh, yeah. a- Amazon Prime yep. video and things yep. like that. We're watching that. And then we get bored with that and we go to a video game. We yep. buy video games. You know, the, the video game <laughs> industry is booming right now it because is. of all the yeah. sales. Yeah, that's true. But what that's going to tell us is when the pandemic's over... We're going to have a whole, you know, I've heard people say it's going to be the roaring 20s again, right? Mm. And then people are going to do that. But the, the ultimately what people are going to be thriving for is that experience. Yeah. 
we are fighting every day as marketers and as business owners and business uh, leaders for people's attention mm-hmm. and for their time. Mm-hmm. And time's limited. I mean, everybody gets 24 hours a day. No one gets any more than that, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's limited how much you have. And then right. attention spans are going down. Mm-hmm. That is another key piece of data that came out of the the, uh, the research that, due to the article. Mm-hmm. Attention spans are going down. Uh, SEM Rush, who is you know they do a lot of uh, technology towards mm-hmm. um, SEO, search engine optimization, and mm-hmm. one of the things they found is that the the attention spans are going down. Mm-hmm. So um, the bounce rates on websites are going up. Mm-hmm. So people are bouncing off websites, mm-hmm. and and it's not because they're not good websites. It's just that people's attention spans are going down. Right? They're they're thriving wow. for that experience. Yeah. And so if you're a marketer, if you're a company that's it's stuck in that uh, traditional way of doing things, where putting a billboard up or sending a flyer out mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it be, right. you're missing out on really thriving that experience, getting that experience mm-hmm. out there and, and creating an experience for your customers or potential consumers that they're going to be looking for. They're right. really going to be looking for something different. They're not mm-hmm. going to be looking for the same old thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, it's, it's a result of the fact that we've been pent up for a while, right? right. And, and we're, our, we're changing. Mm-hmm. Consumer behavior is changing, and mm-hmm. it constantly changes. Right. And um, we, we will, as technology grows and comes easier, we're going to continue to start to look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have taught ourselves, I guess, through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we found this, that a lot of people now are accelerating this whole digital transformation. That was a buzzword for a couple of years ago. And and everybody was using it. It's Mm -hmm. digital transformation. Everybody was trying to sell it. Let me help you with your digital transformation, (laughs) right? Yeah. But the funny thing is, is no one knew what digital transformation was. They had no clue what digital transformation was. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, it's just using technology to do your business. That's really what it is. And so we we have found that we can do this Mm -hmm. via technology. We can do it remotely. People can work from home, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not that big of an issue. Mm -hmm. Well, you're still going to have people that want that experience. Mm -hmm. And we say experience because it is an experience of going to the office. People are going to want to go back to the office. People are going to want to go and have that, you know, time out of the house Mm -hmm. away from their loved ones and have the time with their coworkers that they can, um, you know, Mm -hmm. mix and mingle with, if Mm -hmm. you will. And people will love to do that. But you're going to have people like myself who doesn't mind doing the work from home or doing the remote and and enjoy that. And mm-hmm. so they're still going to want that experience and have that. Mm. But I think what the pandemic has taught us is that we can do business this way. And, mm-hmm. and the technology is there to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just our ability to adapt and, mm-hmm. and really our ability to accept it. And I think the pandemic has showed us that, that we can do this and we will accept it. And we've actually moved forward and moved past that. And I think there's no question that it's it's a digital world now. And some of these other things are going to start to go away. Now, will all the billboards come down tomorrow? No. no. Are, are the flyers going to stop going? I'm always amazed at how many... Uh, direct mail flyers we get in the mail. You know, it, it is a ton of money that gets spent every day on those print ads. And, you know, uh, 99% of them, unless it's like a coupon, I guess, off on a, like a gas a oil change or something, right, right. they all go in the trash or the right. shredder for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really pay a lot of attention to them. Right. And it's, it's we get numb to the noise. Yeah. We talk about that all the time, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're creating digital products, people can get numb to the noise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how many times have you just X'd out of a, uh, a pop-up? 
without even reading what it says. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's what we're doing with these mail flyers. Mm-hmm. We're just tossing them in the trash yeah. without even paying attention or even reading what they are, mm-hmm. right? And that, that happens a lot, right? Yeah. And it's it, we talk about it, and this is a whole other subject, but it's that whole sludge report and, and, and sludge mm-hmm. audit that we yeah. talked about. Yeah. Putting too many things in front of people that you mm-hmm. just start to glaze over and you're not even paying attention to it anymore, mm-hmm. right? And, and so you're, you're trying to clear out all of that sludge and make sure that you're having the right things come forward for the clients to see or for the customers to see. And that's a, that's a hard you know, balance to have. But I think that's the biggest thing. If you're going to miss out on anything that someone who's stuck in that, that, um, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong. And and Divya will scold me for this Mm because she, she still believes in a lot of the display ads and, and it is good. It's very good. And it still works for Mm -hmm. a lot of different organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, but everything is moving towards digital and, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say abandon one for the other. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, you're going to see a heavier load on digital versus on the the display. In many ways, technology is going to enhance traditional media Mm. um, as in uh, before you put up that billboard, invest all that money into that billboard or those pamphlets or those flyers, you can test them online and say, out of these five, this one performed best and then go do your mailer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, if that has been working for you in some sense, you can optimize it. It's about yeah. optimizing it and I think creating a better customer experience. Um, so kind of just kind of switching gears here. I know Divi and I talked a lot about just customer experience in general, but also employee experience. Is there any way that technology can help you with your employee experience? <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, when we measure employee experience mm-hmm. in, in the what we call the total experience is customer experience and employee experience go mm-hmm. together. Right? And we say a happy employee makes a happy customer. And so mm-hmm. because your employees are really the, the people that are delivering that experience to the customer. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have a happy customer. And you and I talked about this on the yeah. phone before. It, we've all been to some business, whether it be a drive-thru mm-hmm. or uh, whatever um, you know, store that you've bought something and you've had an unhappy uh, employee and it's just created a bad experience, you know, mm-hmm. and you walk out of there going, I, I don't, this person's having a really bad day or oh, they yeah. hate their job, yeah. one of the two, <laughs> right, right. but you hate, you'd hated the whole experience was bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so we, we talk about this all the time when, when you have a lot of um, companies that are in B2B, particularly that just sell to businesses, mm-hmm. that expectation of the consumer that we have in our everyday life is mm-hmm. bleeding over into the B2B business. Mm-hmm. So the same expectation that we expect in our everyday personal life, we're going to expect that in our B2B business experience as well. Yes. Why does it take, uh, you know, a company, if I order something online, that's just like these microphones, if mm-hmm. I order these microphones, why is it going to take you six weeks to get those microphones to me when Amazon can get it a day or later or mm-hmm. two days later, right? Mm-hmm. So Amazon's closed that expectation gap a lot mm-hmm. in how we actually get things delivered. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole issue around um, an employee knowing kind of what their impact to the yeah. customer experience is. Yeah. So a lot of times when you look at someone who has a back office job, a mm-hmm. traditional back office mm-hmm. job where they're not customer facing, yeah, you know, we used to say that only the 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 ones that can work with jazz hands and tap shoes, yeah. they would be the customer facing person. Yeah. But yeah. nowadays everybody is a customer facing person. Mm-hmm. If you want that true end to end customer experience, right? Mm-hmm. 
there's a great article uh, in the HBR, and it's called Staple Yourself to an Order. And it just basically <laughs> says, staple yourself to an invoice that comes in. Okay. And then follow that invoice through the entire organization until it gets fulfilled. Experience what an, a customer is going to experience. Experience what that order is going to experience the entire way. From the time that it, it gets placed as a salesperson, that really nice, great experience that, you know, salesperson is going to give them everything they want. They're going to be really, truly happy with them. Mm-hmm. And then it gets passed off to order fulfillment, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's going to be in the warehouse, boxes thrown around, that sort of thing. You know, maybe the boxes get damaged, you, it, but that's going to affect the customer's experience, yeah, right? Yeah. Because if you get a box that's damaged, how are you going to feel about that, right? And and then you're going to go back to the situation where after it's fulfilled in, in shipping, then you've got, you know, the order fulfillment and the, the billing and the, and the back office AR and everything else associated with that. And then how they treat a customer, you know, how they can affect the customer experience. So we look at it from that perspective and saying, how are your employees affecting your overall customer experience? And it can be pretty detrimental if you don't pay attention to it, right? But we find that even though maybe they understand how their piece of the puzzle actually affects customer experience, Mm -hmm. they're also just disgruntled employees. And that could be because they have unrealistic expectations of the organization could be that they have no opportunity for growth could be that they have no opportunity for training you know some some customer i mean some employees just want training that's all they want some others want to be treated a certain way so we look at behavioral assessments and so we look at the data that people have you know there's some really good tools out there nowadays that you can look at for behavioral assessments, they're not quite as cumbersome as the old Myers Briggs that you, you know the personality <laughs> tests and things like that. But they really look at how you and I want to be uh, communicated with, right? Mm. I'm a traditional introvert, mm. and if you put me in a sales role, I could do it, and I would do it. I would probably get some joy out of it, but it wouldn't be something that I would thrive at every day, and I wouldn't be happy. And I would go home from work every day, and I'd be drained. My energy would just be exhausted, yeah. right? Yeah. So as a, as a supervisor, if, if my supervisor knew that, and he knew he was going to be sending me to a trade show or he's going to be putting me in front of a bunch of customers, mm. then I would know, okay, listen, I need to give Chad some downtime. He, needs to, he, he has to do this particular job because mm-hmm. he's good at it. He's, mm-hmm. He sells and everything else. But his particular behavioral assessment, he needs that downtime to do other things. So I'm going to give him, you know, his time to do his paperwork or whatever his alone time that he needs in that back office so he can re-energize himself, right? And then there's others that are completely opposite. Like Divya, she's my mm-hmm. polar opposite. Yeah. She thrives in going out and spending time with people, you know, and so that really energizes her. That jazzes her up. If you ask her to do the back office stuff, she would probably do it, but wouldn't be happy with it, right? She's not a, a an everyday maintainer doing that every day. She would rather be out, you know, doing the the uh, sales front and and not so much sales, but the communication and the, and the interaction with people. She hasn't. She needs that personal interaction. So the opposite thing would happen if you had a supervisor in an organization that knew that, hey, Divya's got to do her paperwork, mm-hmm. but we also need to give her that time to go out and, and spend time with that um, the behaviors that she likes to interact with. So understanding that will make for a happier employee, right? Mm-hmm. 
So there are technology, you mentioned technology, what technologies are out there to help with that customer experience. There are technologies out there that would allow you to be able to give the behavioral assessments and then have the assessments readily available for the supervisors and even for the employees. So when you understand the way you respond back to people and the way you react to things and what your behaviors are, you feel better about it, right? It's that whole self-awareness. And when we talk about emotional intelligence, intelligence, self-awareness is number one, right? You need to know how you're being perceived and how your emotions are affecting you. So knowing that behavioral assessment, understanding your own emotions and how you like to react to them, then you understand how to work in the workforce because we're all different. We're all different people, right? We all react differently. So that will increase the mood and increase the happiness within the employees. And, and then we look at uh, what's the environment inside of the office, right, that they're coming to or working in. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, poor lighting? Is it, you know, all these other things that could affect someone's mood and, and it could affect the employee's actual delivering of that customer experience, right? And it could be something that you just don't uh, understand. I used to work with a salesman who did nothing but tele, telemarketing. And I hated telemarketing. I could never do that. I don't know how anybody could do it. It was just brutal, right? (laughs) But he was great. He had a great personality and he had a great demeanor for it. And he always smiled, you know? And and so he used to say, it's easy when you smile, right? Mm. And so if you can get people smiling and happy and going that way, and I'm not saying that every workforce has to be a playground, but when you have happy people, you have a happy experience that they can deliver to that customer. And so you have a better chance of delivering a good customer experience. I can tell you 100% of the time, if you have unhappy employees, they're going to deliver an unhappy experience for a customer. That's a given. It's going to happen. And so it's a no-brainer to keep your employees happy. And and I love, we used to have these conversations all the time. I can't tell you how many business leaders I've heard that have told me personally, our greatest asset is our employees. And then they go out into the field or into the organization and they do the absolute opposite of what they just said. So if they're your number one asset, wouldn't you treat them better than what you just did, right? And so it's counterintuitive. I think I think they say that because they think they truly need to be that, but they're not. They don't treat it that way, right? They only look at the bottom line. It's, it's, I understand everyone is measured by how success is driven, right? Mm-hmm. But I think if we were able to look at it from purely what experience are we trying to give our customers mm-hmm. and what attention we're trying to compete for their attention, right, and their time, if we're able to deliver a meaningful experience, people are going to come back over and over again, over and over again. And, and how does this start to happen? How does this, this I guess, loss of empathy, I would call it, uh, start to start to happen yeah from the business leaders themselves right yeah yeah well i think a lot of times much like everything and and this is probably another subject another podcast all in itself but i think it happens because slowly over time Mm -hmm. uh business leaders begin to um have their performance they're incentivized Mm -hmm. by the bottom line Mm -hmm. you know it's not the customer's experience as much as it is how much money did you make right Right? how how, how can in how can you make more money Mm -hmm. well if there's no more customers coming in because we have a crappy experience Mm -hmm. then the only way to do that is to cut expenses Mm -hmm. and usually the way the expenses first get cut are going to be in your overhead Mm -hmm. so a lot of times people say well 
we used to have these employee benefits. We used to have a cafeteria. We used to, I hear it all the time. We used to have this. We used to have that. Now we don't have anything, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 50s, 60s, the 1950s, 60s, everybody had a pension. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't any organization right. didn't have a pension. Right. And now it's unheard of. Yeah. Whoever has a pension, no one has a pension. Right. And they've actually put the onus back on the employees mm-hmm. to save for their own retirement. And yes. many companies don't even match anymore. Right. But that's another way to save money, right? right? And it's a way to cut back on their overhead and, and try to get a greater income. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are probably a lot of business leaders that would be listening to this podcast and say, ah, well, that guy's crazy. But it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I think that's where the loss of empathy happens is because yes. we start to look, we stop looking at people as people and we start looking at numbers yes. and that's it. And, right. and it's really... We're all running these businesses and people mm-hmm. run these businesses and customers are the ones and that customers are people. Mm-hmm. But we forget that sometimes mm-hmm. and we only look at the numbers. What is the bottom line? What is the black and white, you know, black and red, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we we're looking at really are the numbers themselves, not really the people. Mm-hmm. And that's so great. Um, and and kind of talking about the tools also that they can use to kind of capture this data. Do you have any like go-to tools, whether that be for, you know, measuring, you know, your employees? I know you talked about Meyer Briggs and there's other things uh, very similar. Uh, what, what kind of tools can you use on kind of both sides, the customer side and the employee side? Yeah. So from the employee side, uh, we do have a go-to tool that we use. We love it a lot. It's predictive index. Um, it, it was, it's a, it's a company has been around for a long time. Um, and, and there's a lot of good data out there on them and, and I won't, Oh, sell them, oversell them or anything that. Um, but I would encourage anyone to take a look at them. And they've really uh, turned the whole talent optimization uh, industry upside down. Uh, they were bought uh, about four or five years ago, and they changed the whole idea around behavioral assessments and using the data and really using the insight from that data to drive it. So they have a behavioral assessment, and they also have a cognitive assessment. And there are other companies out there, but we uh, we're, um, we like working with them, and, and they're a great company to work with. Um, and they have a really uh, good tool that's easy to use, and uh, it'll drive a lot of insight into your employees. Mm-hmm. And so very good tool to use. From the customer side, if you're really trying to drive engagements there, now there's a, there's a litany of different technologies they can use. You would need to really go at it from the – Instead of saying, okay, this is the one tool for everything, mm-hmm. is to really understand what the objective is. You know, if it's higher customer engagement, then there would be one tool for that. And then there's another tool for that. And there's really not one tool. There's probably a handful of tools. Mm. Then we break it down into what's the budget, right? What are we willing to really kind of right. spend on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are high-end products that mm-hmm. are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we work a lot with Adobe. And, you know, Adobe has a great customer experience uh, platform, mm-hmm. but it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And so it's not for the small to medium-sized organization. Medium-sized maybe get into it depending on the price. Mm-hmm. But the it's really for the enterprise-type yeah. organizations, yeah. right? And so... Yeah, I think everybody would love to have that product, but they can't afford it, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's the next best thing? And mm-hmm. so there's a lots of different options when you get down into those lower ones. Um, when we really want to analyze it and put our, uh, our money where our mouth is, we say we start to look at it from the perspective of matching that objective versus the budget. 
Okay. And and really saying, okay, the the technology that you want to use for your MarTech or your marketing technology, mm-hmm. you can't not use one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. And so you you got to have content delivery. You have to have the platform that you're going to deliver that content. You have to have your social media platforms mm-hmm. that you're going to be doing that with. Everything that's associated with the quote unquote digital marketing, all of those things and all the steps are going to go into that. Mm-hmm. And plus all of your customer experience managements uh, and all, everything else associated with that end-to-end funnel, um, mm. uh, along with the the nurturing and the referrals and everything else that goes with the end of the funnel mm. uh, activities. You need to do all of those and mm. you need to have technologies that are going to allow you to manage that, right? Mm. And again, you can take take uh, one technology and apply it to the whole thing, or you can t- break it up into multiple technologies that are more cost effective for you, and it will help you achieve your overall goal. And so we look at it from that perspective is not to say there's one tool that works for everything. There are multiple tools that may work best for the organization right. and for the, the actual objective of the organization. Mm-hmm. And each organization, much like people, mm-hmm. are different. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and what your particular uh, budget for a technology would be. Uh, for us, you know, spending $1,000 on a particular technology per month mm-hmm. may not be a big deal. Mm-hmm. But for you guys, it is a huge deal, mm-hmm. right? Or vice versa, $1,000 for, uh, you know, a uh, a technology that you use every day may be really expensive for us, yeah. right? And so we have to weigh those pros and cons to say, okay, what is the overall objective of the the strategy that we're trying to drive for the customer experience? Well, I know some people are, 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 are catching this and some aren't, but what I will say is tying this back to customer experience, we went off on this, not, not even a tangent, but we, we, we went off on this subject because it, it's all about making the customer experience better. Yes. Like, and also the employee experience because you might cut down some tasks that they have to do, some repetitive tasks. It uh, improves efficiency yep. uh, for, you know, your customer getting things more accurately on yep. time. Um, so I really think it's the new wave. And I, f- I feel like B2B is kind of starting to chart a path into this territory because like, you know, Salesforce, you said there you can go develop an app just for Salesforce right now. Yep. Um, so uh, I think it's real important that people tie this back to customer experience and employee experience because that is the true power of it. It's like making things easier. You don't have to think, you know. Yes. Um, and, and I love that. And me and Divya kind of talked about Apple. Yeah. And I, I think that is a a, a kind of a great uh, company to look at, right? When you when you talk about taking something so complex as the iPhone, but simplifying it for the customer. And I, I, I recall Steve Jobs talking about customer experience. You know, he started Next and all these other companies. Right, right. But when he went to Pixar, they said he, realized, he started to learn about empathy and customer experience and that kind of thing and came to Apple and took it to another level, not with more technology, because he's a genius. He, we know that Apple has the best engineers in the world, but they put the customer first, and that's when everything transformed. So technology is, yes, it's it's all, it's great, it's fun, it's it's cool to have a, you know, a trending, trending app, but if it doesn't do anything for your customer, it doesn't make someone's life better, 
then I think we're missing out on the big point. Absolutely. Very good. Well, Chad, hey, thank you so much for uh, joining us. My man, pleasure. We could go all day talking about technology. Uh, but, you know, I think we left them with enough, just enough to chew on. Right I think now. so, too. Yeah. So you, just, you can invite us back. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. You guys have to come back, man, because technology is constantly changing and and and. Uh, like you said, apps are coming out every day. Yes, we might yeah. have a whole totally different conversation here in a year. Yes. Uh, but uh, last, last on a last note, uh, what can you leave our audience with as far as books or resources that you enjoy? We, I know you have a medium. Um, is there anything? Yeah, that you sure. So uh, my two big books, and I mentioned them all, uh, you know, okay. on the call today or on our, our podcast today, and that is Nudge. You know, understand that, understand what a nudge is. A fascinating concept, um, and that's. Richard Thaler and, and Case Sunstein, um, okay. two super smart guys that wrote that book, Nudge. Um, and then there's also companies out there that are actually developing apps around the nudge and the idea of trying to get people to do the right thing and understanding how they think and what the psychology of that is. And, and as a developer, innovator, or any of those things, if you can understand that, that's mm. really going to give you a leg up when you're developing those apps. Mm. Um, and then the, the think fast, think slow. Okay. That's uh, it's it's really called thinking fast and slow. Okay. Um, and that that's uh, by Kahneman, Daniel Kahneman. Mm -hmm. Great book as well. Uh, it's a little lo longer, a little bigger, and it's a little more technical in terms of the psychology terms and things that he uses about. Mm -hmm. But it, it goes into the whole idea of psychology of adoption and, and why, you know, consumers reject one thing over another and why we as human beings will actually gravitate to easier things mm -hmm. and why we have to force ourselves to do other things. And when you're when you're developing a new product or even trying to design a business that's going to be successful mm -hmm. and really developing that experience you need to understand how we think as human beings. And mm -hmm. so bringing in that uh, uh, psychology and behavior uh, and really the behavioral uh, economics side of things and understanding it is huge. And so I would encourage anyone to, to read both of those books because it's, it gives you a real insight. If anything, it's it's fascinating to one, but it's it's really good as a business owner and leader and, and app developer mm -hmm. to understand the consumers. You have yes. to do it inside and out. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. We'll link those up in the show notes. And again, I appreciate you for coming out and uh, spending some time on that. You're welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Absolutely.